Americans All, Immigrants All, Section 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. Americans All, Immigrants All by the U.S. Department of the Interior, Office of Education. Section 4. The Development of Our Immigration Policy Those who have come to our shores, representing many kindreds and tongues, have been welded by common opportunity into a united patriotism. By Franklin D. Roosevelt Long before the Revolutionary War, the colonies enacted restrictive immigration laws. Many of these laws were based on religious prejudices, which, although somewhat softened in intensity, still existed when the new nation was born. Fear and consequent hatred of foreigners and foreign influence were widely prevalent in the early years of the Republic. John Adams, Alexander Hamilton, Patrick Henry, John Jay, and other prominent statesmen opposed the introduction of aliens into the political or economic life of the country. Thomas Jefferson believed that natural expansion of the existing population would be sufficient to meet the country's needs. Even George Washington in 1794 said, My opinion with respect to emigration is that except of useful mechanics and some particular descriptions of men or professions, there is no need of encouragement. The prevailing spirit found expression in stringent naturalization laws which, however, were soon modified. THE OPEN DOOR While the federal government was not unmindful of its inherent right to determine who might or might not come or remain within its borders, yet for a hundred years after the Revolutionary War ended, the country's doors were open to all who chose to enter, regardless of race, of physical, mental, or economic condition, of religious or political affiliation, or even of moral character. An era of comparative tranquility prevailed toward immigration until the 1840s when a great flood of immigrants focused hostility against the Germans and Irish, a feeling which continued until the outbreak of the Civil War. A strong movement developed in Congress in favor of regulating or even limiting immigration. But nothing came of it. In a message to Congress in 1841, President Tyler gave expression to a sentiment that grew stronger with the passing of the years. He said, We hold out to the people of other countries an invitation to come and settle among us as members of our rapidly growing family, and for the blessings we offer them— we require of them to look upon our country as their country, and unite with us in the great task of preserving our institutions, and thereby perpetuating our liberties. The open-door policy continued, for Congress was reluctant to abandon the time-honored belief that the United States had been dedicated at the beginning as a refuge for the oppressed people of all nations. Such legislation as was enacted during this period, including three laws for the improvement of conditions on immigrant-carrying ships, 
indicated the sympathetic attitude of Congress toward the incoming multitudes. Congress again favored the foreign-born by providing that aliens who had declared an intention to become citizens might enjoy the benefits of the Homestead Act of 1862. This privilege was later on destined to accelerate the settlement of public lands in the West. Because manpower in industry and agriculture had been depleted during the war between the states, a federal law to stimulate immigration was enacted in 1864, but it was soon repealed when peace was restored. Federal Control In the absence of federal action, several seaboard states attempted immigration control, but, after many years of effort, the Supreme Court held that Congress alone had such power. Congress assumed this power in 1882 when it reluctantly passed the first general immigration law, which provided only that idiots, lunatics, persons likely to become a public charge, and criminals other than political offenders should be denied admission. This law marked the beginning of a policy of quality selection which dominated all subsequent legislation. In 1882, because of Western opposition, Chinese laborers were excluded, a policy subsequently extended to include practically all Orientals. In 1884, a law forbidding the importation of foreign labor under contract was passed, but necessary skilled laborers and members of learned professions were exempted. Thus was Washington's opinion unwittingly honored. While Congress was developing a more stringent selective policy, immigration increased by leaps and bounds with a shift in the incoming tide from northern and western to southern and eastern Europeans. Unable to function economically, socially, or politically in their homelands, a steady stream of immigrants was spreading over the United States in answer to the demand for unskilled labor. For more than thirty years, the words of Emma Lazarus, carved on the pedestal of the Statue of Liberty, had vital meaning. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, the tempest-tossed, to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Checking the Tide The endless stream of newcomers, whose economic and political backgrounds differed from those of the earlier immigrants, led to a search for some method of checking the new immigration. With this end in view, the application of a literacy test was advocated. Presidents Cleveland and Taft had vetoed acts which contained this provision, and President Wilson twice repudiated it. However, it became part of the general law of 1917 over presidential objection. In a reference to the immigrants, President Wilson said, "'Some of the best stuff in America has come out of foreign lands, and some of the best stuff in America is in the men who are naturalized citizens of the United States.'" In the meantime, during the administration of President Theodore Roosevelt, a gentleman's agreement had been made with Japan in 1907, whereby Japan undertook to check the immigration of Japanese laborers to the United States. Immigration from Europe was largely suspended during the World War, 
but it rapidly increased thereafter until it was checked by the temporary quota limit law of 1921, and definitely limited by the permanent quota limit law of 1924. By this law, immigration was restricted to 150,000 annually, with quotas allotted to the various nations based on the census of 1890. In 1929, the quota based on the census of 1920 went into effect, bringing the total immigration quota to about 153,000 annually. Our Present Policy the theory that America should be a refuge for the oppressed of all nations has been quite generally honored in shaping our immigration policy. However, the United States is no longer a refuge for the oppressed people of all the world in the same way as it was in the past. Our present policy is that immigration shall be limited to a fixed number, that such immigrants shall be of good character and well disposed toward American institutions, for, in the words of former President Coolidge, "'Whether one traces his Americanism back three centuries to the Mayflower, or three years to the steerage, is not half so important as whether his Americanism today is real and genuine. No matter on what various crafts we came here, we are all now in the same boat.'" Sidebar. Ourselves and Our Neighbors a recent dinner in Chicago with Catholic friends, whose parents came from Italy, a conference with a group of twenty-five cultured Negro men and women at Chicago University, and a visit in Des Moines, Iowa, with a close personal friend of mine, a rabbi, or a few personal experiences which show in a very real way how a relatively free society enables us to enrich our lives through fellowship with men of different races and religions. In this nation, to which more than 38 million immigrants have come during the last 120 years, the struggle of people of all races and of many creeds has been and is consciously toward the goal of human understanding and tolerance. This is an effort to elevate human welfare, irrespective of race, color, or creed and to rise to new heights of civilization with the help of all contributions to our culture. A distinguishing characteristic of a true American is that he measures men of all races and creeds by their achievement, their honesty of purpose, and their humility. Signed, J. W. Studebaker, Commissioner of Education. End of section.